try to keep things. Um, I, I hear something about a football game. <clears throat> no promises, though. You can never tell what the Lord's going to do. So Matthew 24, we started our journey through this chapter together last week. And we have been looking into the future through Jesus' eyes. And we looked at some, quite frankly, terrifying things in some ways. We talked about some of the things from the Great Tribulation period while we were together last last week. Uh, Very sobering, very frightening things. But the thing we should always remember is that if you are a genuine Christian, you have hope. God has you securely in his hand, and he is not going to let you go. Everyone who is in Christ is going to be secure. So anyhow, in the second half of this chapter, Jesus turns from helping us see into the future and trying to help us be ready for the future. We have great hope, we have great assurance, but we need to be prepared. And I'd just like to give you a quick story to help you think through that idea of being prepared. Way back in the day, there's this artist uh, by the name of Andrew With. Evidently, some people called him Andy. Andy With. And he drew a picture of Lafayette's quarters near Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania. And in the picture, there's this large house with a huge sycamore tree growing up behind it. So he's showing his brother the final product as well as some of the sketches leading up to his artwork. And the brother notices the trunk of the sycamore tree, the root system, this old, gnarled, twisted trunk. And and he looks at his, his brother, he says, Andy, where's that in the picture? And Andy says, it's not in the picture. And he goes, Well, Andy says, in order for me to properly draw the top of the tree, I have to understand what it's secured to. I have to understand what it's growing out of. And in a similar way, if we are really going to be prepared, we have to understand a lot about the future. As I already mentioned last week, Some of the things in Matthew chapter 24 happening during the Great Tribulation period, the way I see the future, the way I see eschatology, I don't think we will even be there. But in order for us to really be prepared and adequately attempt to prepare others and follow the Lord in this life, we need to understand them. So we're talking about being ready. Uh, I didn't even get to look at the bulletin this morning. Thank you for doing it, Debbie. Did our outline make it in there? So on the back of your bulletin, there's a little outline if you want to take any notes. Uh, But there's three main ideas there. Being ready means, number one, understanding the signs. Number two, being ready means understanding what is coming. And number three, being ready means being alert faithful, and obedient. All right, let's pray together before we dive into God's Word. 
Lord, we're just so thankful that you have given us your word this morning, Lord, and that it assures us of your love, that it tells us about your amazing plan of salvation and all that you've done for us, Lord. Uh, Lord, we could go on and on and on talking about the great benefits of your mighty word. Lord, today as we look into it, we just ask that you would be our teacher, that you would help us to be ready for what's coming, Lord. Prepare our hearts, minds, spirits. Uh, Lord, help us to be about your business, we pray, in the beautiful name of Christ. Amen. All right. So, first of all, being ready means understanding the signs. In verse 31, we saw how Jesus had just come in the clouds and power and great glory. He'd sent out his angels to gather his elect. And so then in verse 32, he begins to challenge us. He says, now, learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too. When you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. So we don't have a lot of fig trees around here, but the principle is still the same. When you see those little tender green buds coming out on the trees in your yard, you know summer is almost here. And so Jesus says, you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. So what are all these things? Now, if you weren't here last week, uh, I apologize that you didn't get more time to think about this. But I personally think all these things is jumping back to verses 14 and 15 of the same chapter. We read about the 144,000 witnesses that God is going to seal and send out into his world. And then in verse 15, we read about the abomination of desolation. We said that the Antichrist is going to be put into power, one world government, probably going to rebuild the temple. He's going to make a covenant with Israel. But in the middle of the week of the tribulation, he's going to break that covenant and go into the temple and say, hey, I'm God. Worship me. And those are the signs, I believe, that Jesus is talking about. When you see all these signs taking place, recognize he is near, right at the door. Personally, I do not think he is talking about, if you, if you go all the way back to verse 6. And I'll tell you why in just a second. But verse 6 says, you'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. I don't think he's talking about that because these things must take place, and that is not yet the end. As we went over last week, I think that's a description of the church age, the whole church age. And we have been having war after war after war. There's hardly been a generation. I don't even know if there's been a generation without a major war in our world. Now, I think you could say, well, as those things increase in rapidity and in intensity, maybe we're getting closer to the resurrection. But here in this verse where Jesus says, when you see these things happening, 
I think he's talking about those very specific signs. And when you see them happening, he says, he is near, right at the door. Verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. What generation? Again, I think it's going right back to verse 15. The generation of the Antichrist. When he discloses himself, sets up that covenant, then breaks that covenant, you can count on it. It's going to happen. That generation. Verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So here I think Jesus is just saying, listen, it's a done deal. You can write the check. It is going to happen. Heaven and earth is going to get destroyed one day, but this is going to take place. Verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So what's up with that verse? Jesus has just told us, when you see all these things happening, recognize he's near, he's right at the door. What's he mean? No one knows about that day. I think it's just like, let's say you're still a kid and your dad comes home and he says, guys, I got something exciting. I, am, I have a surprise for you. This year, we are going to the Grand Canyon. I want you to think about it, plan what you want to do, plan what you want to see, plan what you want to take along, but I'm going to surprise you. Not going to tell you the day. So one day you're going to wake up, and that's going to be the day. And that's what it seems to be Jesus is saying here. No one knows that exact day. So the first part of being ready is understanding the signs. The second part of being ready is understanding what is coming. Start with me in verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So, if you think back to the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned. And then in like two short chapters, the whole world is filled with violence and wickedness. So much so that God says, the end of all lives come before me. I, I'm going to have to do something. And so he goes to Noah. And he says, Noah, build a boat. And so for the next 100 years, Noah is building this boat. And what's the rest of the world doing? They're just carrying on. Like he says right here, they are eating, they are drinking, they are marrying, they are giving in marriage, they are not listening. The Bible actually tells us in 2 Peter that that Noah became a preacher of righteousness. He knows what's coming. I think he's trying to warn the world, and they are not listening. They have no clue until the day he goes in there, and the door is closed, and the rain comes, 
and takes them all away. And Jesus says, guys, this is exactly what it's going to be like when I return. They did not understand, verse 39, until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Now, I know some people, when they talk about these verses, feel like this is talking about the rapture. And it sounds like the rapture. I think the rapture will be a lot like that. But I don't think that these two verses are actually talking about that. As we went over last week, I think that already happened over here in between verses 8 and 9. What this is talking about is not the removal of the righteous, but the removal of the wicked. God is taking those who will not respond to him, who are still in their sin, off of the planet before he begins his great millennial kingdom. <clears throat> you say, Sam, why would you say that? Well, just look up at the couple of verses right before this. As in the days of Noah, before the flood, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. Who did the flood take away? The wicked. Swept them away. Noah and his family were safe and secure in the ark, which God had been preparing for them for thousands of years. On the day of his return, those who have put their faith, genuinely put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, are going to be safe and secure. But he is going to remove the wicked from the planet before he starts his great new kingdom, millennial kingdom. Understanding the signs, understanding what is coming. Uh, we're going to look at one more idea, or actually it's a one idea with three parts. Sneaky, right? One idea with three parts. But being ready also means being alert, faithful, and obedient. Look at verse 42. Jesus says, therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think He will. So we don't know the day. God says, be ready. Be alert. Along with this thought <clears throat> of being alert, I'd just like to ask the question, are you saved? Are you 100% sure that you are on your way to heaven? Have you turned away from sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to pay for sin. As, Jesus, um, as, um, as Billy Graham used to always say, have you made peace with God? 
I, I watched as he said that to a news reporter on national TV one day. This news reporter is asking him all these questions, trying to keep him off balance. And finally, he just, he says, I can't remember the reporter's name. Anyhow, let's say it's Phil. He looks him in the eye and says, Phil, have you made peace with God? That quieted him down for a minute. I think that's one of the questions here. We each need to consider, have you made peace with God? He has done everything to make it available to you. He has paid the price himself. He has gone to the cross. It is a done deal. All you need to do is turn to him and invite him into your life. Dear Lord, please forgive my sins. I know I'm a broken sinner. Forgive my sins and make me one of your children. And he will do that. Ask him to save your soul. Be alert. It also means being faithful. Look at verse 45. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. So be faithful. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. Along with this idea of being faithful, I would just like to ask a follow-up question to the first one. And that is, is your brother saved? Is your neighbor saved? Are your parents saved? Your children? I so appreciated what Daniel did this morning in having us pray for those that we know that don't know the Savior. If we are to be faithful, we must be about God's business. Time is running out. And right now, we have the opportunity. We, God's gift of forgiveness and gift of grace is for everyone. And so we have the opportunity to spread that good news. And God will reward you for your work. Did you notice that? Truly I say to you, He will put Him in charge of all His possessions. God will reward you for your work. Pretty exciting. One of the greatest rewards will be if those people around you ask Christ into their lives and you begin seeing their hearts and their lives change. Finally, there's a thought here about being obedient, I believe. Start with me in verse 48. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour which he does not know and will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. As we mentioned earlier, 
Jesus talks more about hell actually than anyone else or anywhere else in the Bible. And he's the most grace-filled teacher you can imagine. But the idea here is being obedient. We do not want to be evil slaves that shirk our duty to tell others about the Savior and His amazing plan of salvation. We just need to ask ourselves, are we about God's business? Am I serious about this? Am I asking the Lord to lead me to people? Am I asking the Lord to give me opportunities to speak with people? And am I taking those opportunities? We definitely want to be about His business. I, you know, I think you have to see a couple of these challenges in this chapter from two angles. Because I think several things are, are going on here. Today, we are obviously, at least as far as I can tell from eschatology, the future, we are before the rapture. But it could happen at any moment. We see all, all the pieces lining up, right? I mean, just read your newspaper. Every day, it's like a new piece has lined up. So it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow morning. Our feet could leave this planet. So we need to help people find the Lord. But you also need to see this chapter. Let's say that by some crazy, amazing miracle, even though the rapture takes place today, someone tomorrow who had not become a Christian is listening to this message or reading these words. They also have an opportunity to choose the Savior. Thousands of people become Christians during the tribulation period, after the rapture. It will be hard. They may end up being persecuted. They may even end up being martyred. But still they have an opportunity to choose the Savior and then help others find Him. So I think we need to see this chapter from both of those angles. I'd just like to challenge you today and myself to make a commitment to be about the Lord's business, to asking Him to put people in our paths, to share the love of God with, and then being faithful to take those opportunities. Please pray together with me. Mighty God of glory, thank you again for your word and that it just gives us such a clear picture of your love for mankind. Lord, love that would bring you all the way to earth and cause you to give your life as our substitute. What amazing love that is. Father, we worship you and thank you for it. And Lord, in light of it, we ask you to help us be diligent to, to tell others, to invite them, Lord, to become sons and daughters of God, to invite them to be forgiven and have a, a weight and load of guilt removed from their shoulders, to invite them to a new life, a new journey, 
a new challenge. Lord, help us in these ways, we pray. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I just pray that you'll bless every single person here today. And we love you and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.